welcome to Discount Ticket to a World Unknown. I'm Catherine. And I'm Michaela. <laughs> and we are going to talk about chapter eight, the potions master. All right. Um, so the beginning of this chapter, we get to know how confusing Hogwarts halls are with the whole there's doors that aren't really doors and doors you have to tickle and like say nice words to to get it to open and stairs that disappear or lead you to the wrong places or don't lead you anywhere on Fridays or something like that which is very confusing (laughs) especially for children (laughs) and they are children no one explains it to them they have to figure it out and still make it to their classes so I don't know about you but whenever I was in high school the time limit you have between class and class it was ridiculous and you have to make it on time or you have to deal with professors like Snape. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that it's crazy that they don't even like, they don't get a map. They don't get nothing. They get sent on their own to figure this bullshit out and deal with these stairs that lead them into areas that they weren't supposed to be in. And like, how was Harry and Ron supposed to know that they were in the forbidden corridor when they weren't given a map to know where the fuck they were in the first place. Exactly. And they never actually admit or describe a map either in the movie or in the books. Yeah. But I do know that, you know, most schools, when you go to them, they do give you maps, especially whenever it's a big school, mm-hmm. but they never actually say anything about that. And I do kind of understand why in the movie they took out the scenes where or and they kind of added the staircase a little bit, but they didn't really add the difficulty. Yeah, they try to explain it a little when like Ron and Harry show up late to McGonagall's class, because that's like the only time that they have to explain that Harry and Ron can't figure out where the fuck they're supposed to be going. <laughs> but like if I was in that situation, I think that I would probably turn into Neville, which I like this is just me expecting Neville to be this. Yeah. But I would probably be in a corner um, crying because <laughs> like, yes. this would just be so anxiety provoking that I, I don't even think I could find my classes the first day or the first week or anything. <laughs> if it were me, I would pick an experienced student and, just and then have, yeah, exactly, just figure things out that way. <laughs> yeah. But I do really love though that in the books, the students talk more about Harry in, in the books compared to the movies. Mm-hmm. In the movies, they kind of just introduce the fact that he is famous, you know, for what he's famous for. Yeah. And he is a very popular name. Like, his name is very popular. But they don't actually describe that Harry gets talked about all the time. Harry goes through classes, through the hallways. His name is mentioned. Yeah. They kind of do a little bit of that when he is called up for the sorting hat in the movie. But, like, after that, that's the last part of, like, them whispering to each other and stuff like that. Like, that that's a, the last point of his, like, celebrity notion. And then from there, he just is trying to find his classes with Ron. Like, that's really what we move on to. Yes. Um, and then, again, um, in the notes, the ghosts have more character. So in this chapter, there are a lot more of their character introduced as well. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is a big part in this book, really. Yeah, yeah I do think that you kind of get to know the ghosts more in 
the books I think that they're just like you really only meet nearly headless Nick and that's really the only ghost that you meet in the movies Exactly. And it's important, the ghosts as well, is because one of the professors, Professor Binns, is a ghost. Yeah, yeah. Professor Binns is not in the movies at all. And I don't he, even think they mention his class at all in the movies. No, because if you remember, they do like cut scenes for the classes. They introduce all of the professors like they do in the books. It's, it's mm-hmm. a very quick process that they do. And Professor Binns is never mentioned. He has never shown his never shown and he is a great character in this especially in the second book as well because he is the reason why um or is it this one that he's asked to is it the source of stone or the chamber is the chamber of secrets that he's asked about professor Benz? yes yes in the next book professor Benz becomes a really important character yeah so obviously we'll get to more detail about that but yes, yes. the ghosts needed more character yeah they did and i I mean, I guess in this book, you don't really need Professor Binns because I don't really think that he does anything spectacular that you need to know about in this book, other than you just kind of need to know who he is for the next book. Yes, an introduction point, into his character for the second book. Yeah, he should have he should have at least been mentioned so that they could have possibly put him in in the next book or in the next exactly. movie because he is an important part in the next book. But um, we also... When we get to meet Snape and get to learn his wonderful personality, which he's yes, a joy. Good Snape. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when Snape does his whole um, questioning Harry about if he knows things about potions, which I, I don't know who would other than Hermione because she's the only one that read her books before she got to school. Um, exactly. <laughs> in his little rant, he brings up a Bezor or Bezor, I don't even know how you say it, but I think that it's funny that it's brought up in this book and it is becomes a very important part in the sixth book. Yes, doesn't it have something? I heard that it has something to do with Lily, right? No, actually, the Bezor has something to do with the scene with Ron in the sixth book. Oh. The, I'm trying to think what it is. Um, there is a phrase in there that he references or it yes. means something that um, is him giving his condolences for Lily, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's the first thing that he says. Hold on, let me find it. I can't remember if that was just in the movie or if it was in the book as well. Um, he does say it in the movie, but I don't think that it's like someone actually looked it up later on and said something about it. Um, they didn't actually, he doesn't actually say anything remotely in that sense like you don't you don't get that from the books it's some something someone found later on I believe that it's the powdered root of asphodel in an infusion of wormwood I believe that section is something to do with Lily yes and and I could see why that would be you know him trying to tell Harry without actually telling Harry that he feels sorry about what happened to Lily but Snape is really harsh to Harry in the books compared to the movies he is very persistent about making sure Harry's life in Hogwarts is hell yes and that's where I have an issue with the movies because people actually like Snape in the movies and 
I think that that's wrong <laughs> because Snape is actually a terrible person in the books. And there's like, a, I just really have a hard time liking him at all after reading these books just because of how awful he is towards the three of them. Like, I understand that he isn't a fan of Harry's dad. And you know what? That's fine. But like, really, do we have to be that awful to apparently the girl you love? like her son like I it just it doesn't make sense but yeah they they do bring up the fact that he does look like his father more but he it's described in the book that he has his mother's eyes yes so obviously if you look at him and I could see why he would be a little resentful in a sort of way because Lily did sacrifice herself to save Harry so that could be kind of a resentment thing a little bit yeah he is a child he he did nothing to Snape so it it doesn't make sense that he is so harsh other than playing a character yeah and and it just I find it hard to understand Snape's disdain towards Harry just because it's just like it just doesn't really make sense like he's supposed to be like, I can understand him being a little hard on Harry because he's hard on every Gryffindor and he just doesn't like anyone other than people in Slytherin. But he, like, goes out of his way to be even worse to Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And there, there's just no reason for it. it just Yes, and there's one scene where Neville blows himself up or <laughs> blow it, the potion or whatever they're working on yes. blows up on Neville. And yes. I'm pretty sure Harry is farther away from Neville than Ron. And Snape looks at Harry and Mm -hmm. says, Potter, why didn't you stop this? Yeah. And then takes points away from Gryffindor because of something that Harry didn't do. Because, you know, he's so all knowing that he was supposed to figure that out, that that would happen. Like, this is first lesson in potions. How is he supposed to know that if you put, what was it, needles, uh, porcupine needles in before they took it off the fire that it was just going to melt the pot and give Neville all these boils? Like, (laughs) how is he supposed to know? I just uh, Also, yeah, exactly. Poor dude. He just, like cannot catch a break he and he doesn't catch a break any time later in this book like never he he just that poor kid (laughs) but it it really does give him character that's another thing it just really frustrates me because again poor Neville yes Mm -hmm. but it gives him character it explains that he had it's like a sense of the universe is against him type of situation yes but he, he does get better he does have a better character later on and it just really you got to start somewhere and they don't really introduce that yeah it just it really just doesn't the movies just really don't give Neville the time and effort that Neville deserves they just kind of again make him out to look like a buffoon and that's the only character arc that they give him until like the last movie where they then decide to give him (laughs) Uh, hero hero arc and I'm like what yeah what (laughs) so oh it's just a thing um but moving on to the next chapter chapter nine the midnight duel um in the beginning of this chapter we learn about um mail time what do they call it mail delivery 
every morning they get the owls come in and drop off mail um and it's it's kind of sad because you get to know that harry never gets mail and that's unfortunate um well he doesn't get it until he does with hagrid however yes it does kind of give off this lonely sense a little bit yes and it just shows more that the dursleys could give a fuck less about harry um but neville gets this remember all in the mail from his gran and the the whole essence of this thing just doesn't make sense to me because it's supposed to help you realize that you've forgotten something but it doesn't like there's it doesn't tell you what it is it doesn't give you a clue of what you've forgotten it just turns into red red smoke i believe yes it was scarlet scarlet smoke inside the rememberal and (laughs) i don't understand the the invention is pointless yes um However, I do believe that a good thing that they could, because they did not put in the movies, the fact that Draco Malfoy found an interest in it when Neville first obtained the mail. Mm -hmm. Uh, That isn't the book. Draco is very interested in it. And then McGonagall steps in before anything can happen. Yeah. However, it does explain why Draco immediately decides to run for the rememberal whenever Neville and them, they're all doing the flying lesson. Yeah. It, and, and it's more understand, like, understandable of why Harry sticks up so fast for Neville and wants to get it back because he does that in the scene in the dining hall when Neville gets it in the first place. Yes. And I, I feel like though Harry is just a stickler for standing up for people too as well. But yes, yes it does explain why he is so adamant about being like Malfoy give it back yeah yeah it's not just like him just sticking up for his Gryffindors like he's already done it earlier and now he's doing it again it it makes more sense on why he would break the rule and you know hop on his broom and go take it from him exactly instead of just being a scene in the movie of him just doing that you know so Again, poor Neville. <laughs> he just can't catch a break. <laughs> exactly. And um, yes, Neville, he hurts himself, gets put in the infirmary. Yes. Because he, he broke his wrist. And then we have the whole scene with Harry trying to get the remember all back from Neville. Or yes. Neville. Um, <laughs> Draco. Hi, Draco. Good grief. Uh, McGonagall takes him aside because he caught this remember all and she wants him as a seeker on the uh, Quidditch team, which we learn more about in the next chapter. And, yes. um, and as they pass the classroom, by the way, again, I have to say Peeves. Yes. Yes. Peeves is again mentioned. <laughs> and, and McGonagall throws him out of the classroom, too um and mischievous as ever yes yes and then um oh and then we have the whole duel him getting ready for this duel that he's going into so that is another thing the midnight duel is the name of the chapter but i do love that there is no mention of a wizard's duel in the movie that whole scene basically this whole chapter almost mostly is cut off from the movie yeah they don't even mention it um it's not even a thing I don't even think that they really have 
any sort of um, a, a fight, like not even like just an argument at all in it. So, I mean, it, I guess not necessarily needs to be in it. But then again, like we see the gang leave the dorm later on to go do that stuff. So it, I don't know. And um, and it's him, Ron, they try to sneak out and then her, they show up and Hermione is sitting in the chair in the common room waiting for them. And then Hermione ends up walking out with them, yelling accidentally. at them about how, She doesn't actually mean to go with them. No, she doesn't accidentally mean to lock herself out of the dorm, but she does because she's going after them, trying to get them to stop and telling them they're breaking the rule and blah, blah, blah. And then she turns around to go back into the dorm and the fat lady's gone. Yes. And then, and then they run into Neville, who has been Neville. sleeping out in the hallway. <laughs> Because he couldn't he remember the, the password. password. <laughs> poor kid. We're going to be like, saying poor Neville this entire series. Yes, because he just gets into the worst situations. <laughs> and there's poor like Neville. no saving the kid either. This, this is just who he is. And he just... Yes. Oh, yes. the poor kid, the poor kid. Yes, but... and then a lot of the character, which I do know that there is a scene in the movies where they all three find Fluffy. That's the name of the dog, right? The the three-headed, yeah, I think his name's Fluffy. Yes, so there is a scene, yes, where they find Fluffy for the very first time before they do anything. There is a scene where they do that, all three together. Mm -hmm. Hermione is displeased with it. She doesn't like it. And, but they did have a little bit of a friendship going, at least not very deep but it was a little bit in the movies compared to the book and the book they are all so mean to Hermione maybe they do bring up a duel I don't know why Ron and Harry leave or Hermione tries to stop them from leaving in the middle of the night but they do end up um in front of the three-headed dog or monster whatever fluffy I think um and so we see, and it's just the three of them in the movie. In the book, Neville is along the ride. <laughs> and I just, uh, poor Neville. <laughs> poor Neville. He is never inserted into this friend group. And he isn't a friend, but he is there. Um, yes. He's more of a friend than Hermione at this point. Oh my gosh, yes. Ron and Ron and Harry probably consider Neville more of a friend than they consider Hermione at this moment. In, in the, the books, book. in the books. But in the movies, Hermione's a little bit of a friend. She's yeah. there. She's not really, but she's kind of a friend. And they're not as mean to Hermione in the movies as they are in the books. They Not until later, Ron is more mean to her. Yes, Ron Harry... is more mean. Harry, Harry is doesn't, never mean. No, he doesn't actually express that he's annoyed by her. In the books, yeah. he is annoyed by her know-it-all. And he even makes some comments towards her. Yes, he does. So it just, you get more of the sense of them not being friends in the book, which I think makes the next chapter more important yes. than it, in the movies. Yes. So they they go on this adventure. Draco Malfoy isn't in the trophy room like nope. he wanted to like he's he set it told all up. To. Yes, he set them all up. <laughs> and then they take off and they're running. They're running for their lives. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get away from Filch. <laughs> exactly. Because they don't want to get caught. And they're all three, they 
Two of them didn't want to be there. All of them running. They're, they have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And then Peeves shows up being mischievous as usual. Oh, and he just, he just can't let them go. He's just gonna make the situation worse. (laughs) But he does prolong it a little bit. He does give them a little bit of time to run, to get their bearings because he is just not a nice nice poltergeist he is not well and the and the thing that makes him an important character in the books is that he doesn't necessarily like he does yell students out of their dorms students in the hall like that whole thing to try and get them in trouble but he also doesn't rat them out like he knows where those kids went and he doesn't he doesn't tell filch when filch asks so like Peeves is not on anyone's side I would necessarily say he's on Peeves side yeah he's just on the side of being mischievous exactly (laughs) and he'll do whatever he needs to to be mischievous and piss people off but he's not going to necessarily give Harry away or anything like that like he's not gonna he doesn't go out of his way to be on someone's certain side Exactly. And then they do manage to get away. They do manage to get back into their dorms and everything. And that's whenever Hermione explodes on them. And then they go off to their rooms. Like nothing happened. Yep. And then we go to the next chapter. Yes. Chapter 10, Halloween. (laughs) So in this chapter, we, they start out talking about how, um, they all act like nothing happened. Neville doesn't even want to talk about the three-headed monster because he's so freaking scared of it. He's so terrified. Scared yes. little Neville. Poor yes. Neville. Hermione is not talking to Ron or Harry, which they think is wonderful um, because they don't want her to, which just proves more that they're so mean to her. They're so mean and they're not friends. <laughs> no, no, they're not. Um, but then uh they talk we start talking more about quidditch um because harry gets uh he gets ready to have his first lesson i think we don't yes we don't get to know much about quidditch until this chapter but they talk about um ron and seamus i believe it's his name yeah seamus 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 i think it is it might be seamus um they talk about soccer and Ron doesn't understand why anyone would enjoy soccer when there's only one ball. And then he can't figure out why the, the poster that Seamus has isn't moving. And, and I just, and this shows up later in the chapter, which I'll get more into when we get to that point. But it just proves further that the wizards don't go outside of their own wizarding world and they don't even understand sports outside of Quidditch. They don't push past their comfort. They have locked themselves into this sense of wizard, this bubble. Yeah. And they don't tap into it. And that does explain why Mr. Weasley is so obsessed with muggle things. Yeah. But it just, again, I mentioned, like, why is it not obvious about what muggles can't and can't do? Yeah, and and with the whole, like, there's, like, they like to say in this book, because they like to show that Harry is feeling more comfortable being in this world, and feeling like he isn't so behind as the rest of everyone else, because a lot of people came from muggle families. So with the amount of people that are wizards that came from a muggle family, you would think that there would be more 
understanding of the muggle world because there's so many of them that are coming from it yes because obviously (laughs) obviously we go a little bit into everyone asking harry um hermione everyone who has lived in that life they you constantly hear about people asking about you know what's this what's that what do you do tell me things about your world the muggle world yeah and it just shocks me that that parents don't commune communicate with their children about the muggle world but I do kind of get it a little bit because their whole like marketing as wizards is to not touch the muggle world they have such a distinct line between the two worlds but it's still like I feel like they shouldn't be as naive to the muggle world as they seemingly are Yes, I, I do believe we are both right in this, but I do kind of understand a little bit about why she wrote it like this. Yeah, I mean, I get it because they're not supposed to be, there's supposed to be a very distinctive difference between the wizards and the muggles and, you know, they're supposed to keep themselves quiet and no one's supposed to know about them. But at the same time, it confuses me even more because they have to act like muggles when they're out in public so for them to not understand the muggle world I don't understand how they can do that successfully without bringing on confusion and questions exactly so it's it's a little bit of a back and forth game between that because yes she was a child whenever she wrote some of this and she probably didn't really have the future of the series in mind thinking about this Because when you create a world as an author, you have to go so in depth with everything and you will leave some things out. So I do understand a little bit. I do sympathize with that, that area. But um, at the beginning of this chapter, we also get another mail call or whatever (laughs) whatever it's called in the books. The owls drop off mail and Harry gets a present. Yes, he gets the Nimbus 2000. Okay. (laughs) My comment about this is it is a very large wrapped mail. Mm -hmm. It's brought to him by, what'd they say, six owls or nine owls? Yes, you would think that that would be very obvious. And in the movies, if you recall, everyone is telling him to open, open it, Harry, open it. Yeah, because they they all want to know. Yes, they see the Nimbus 2000. And it's not a secret. It's not a secret, but in the books- the books would is that his name would yes yes um yeah the captain of the quidditch griffin yes he is very adamant about making sure that harry and the entire team keeps it a secret that they have harry as a seeker yes Mm -hmm. they want to keep it a secret and that is not brought up at all in the movies and i feel like it is a main component to their edge as a team yes yeah, they they don't they don't keep a secret at all. He opens that present in front of everyone in the movies. He, um, I'm pretty sure that the twins come up to him and talk to him about him being the seeker in the middle of a crowded hallway with all of the other students, and they aren't quiet about it like they are in the books. Um, and the, and I think that they talk longer to Harry than they do in the books about him being a seeker. So yes. there's just like no secretive persona to Harry being a seeker. Yeah, and they and that's another thing. I guess 
because they do have to bring everything together. There's so much detail. There's so many things that they have to cut out that I do kind of understand what they did with that because they don't want it to be a secret. They want everyone to be like, Harry, we understand why they're cutting corners for you and Mm -hmm. why you get a broomstick. But I do know that Draco corners them after and they kind of suspect what's going on. They don't really understand. But obviously when Harry doesn't get in trouble for having his own broomstick, it's obvious to Draco but it's not obvious to the entire school until later of course um we also after we find out that he gets the Nimbus 2000 we um skip to the next part of the um chapter where he and Wood meet up for him to learn about Quidditch and I would just like to say that Quidditch is a very confusing sport (laughs) if you are a reader and you are reading that page where he goes in a little bit of more detail about how things work. You have to stop. And I'm a fast reader. So you have to stop and you have to work out what everything means and what the actual game is. So it is very confusing. Yes. And, and she even writes it to where um, Wood explains and then Harry repeats it again. And Mm -hmm. even with that, I like I'm still confused still and I've read this book probably four times if not more and it's still like this section of it I'm just like you know I understand that she made this up and it's all just like her based off of um her understanding of some sports and just mixing them together and making up this sport it's so confusing (laughs) like yes it is like no matter how many times I read this I still go oh why (laughs) like why are these the rules why is that a thing (laughs) and how does how does like how can a quidditch game last three months because no one catches the secret like why is that a thing I don't understand I just don't understand but it makes things interesting I do have to say I would rather watch an intense battle of quidditch rather than football um, also, I feel like Quidditch is more dangerous than football. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you've got Getting the knocked off of your broom. Yeah. And who knows? Like, they don't completely explain how high up you get on these brooms to play this game. Like, they don't really truly tell you how high these goals are. So I can just imagine that you're at least, like, three stories off the floor. <laughs> from the ground and you've got these bludgers coming after you to knock you out exactly and and the wizards do (laughs) the wizards do have a bit of advantage whenever it comes to medical however it is still dangerous you still feel pain you still if anything happens like it's yeah and i don't think that the quidditch players have their wand on them like, yeah, I don't no, think that, don't. that's ever anything that's explained or like told that that's what that they have it on them so if you're falling out of the sky like you've got nothing to save you you're just gonna end up on the ground and have and hope that whatever injury you sustain is not life-threatening so that you like can get a head injury let's hope yeah. that I don't scramble my brains falling off of yes. a yeah I just <laughs> just yeah it's, it's just it's something else also I think that it's very interesting that they bring up that you score 
with the quaffle and you your your points are like what five or ten if you score with that compared to when you catch the um oh shoot what's it called the golden snitch the golden snitch and you win 150 points and you end the game like yes. that is a big difference so <laughs> i do i guess i do kind of have a question yes. so for the quidditch match say that it carried on for like three months because no one caught the golden snitch right mm-hmm. so carrying on for so many months how like say you score a tremendous amount of points on one team mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. And then you catch the golden snitch. Do you automatically win or do you have to add all of those points up and whoever wins? Um, so actually, and I think that later in the books, they talk about this, exactly what you're talking about, which is if they catch the snitch, does that mean they win? So technically no, because um, JK Rowling has it later on where a team scores a certain amount and the team that is losing catches the snitch, but they still lose even though they caught the snitch. So technically, the 150 points that you gain from catching the snitch doesn't mean that you'll win. But at the same time... It kind of does. It kind of does. It, like, that's, that's an extended amount of points that you would have to get to secure your win and allow the other team to catch the snitch. Exactly. And I, just, I would see I would see that a professional quidditch match would be that like that would come in later for like the professionals. They know what they're doing. It's very intense. I could see, you know, them battling it out and then catching the, the golden snitch and losing. Yeah. Um, well, but the- for a game for children. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it would get that far. So you would automatically win. Yes. Well, and so this is something that's not in the movies, which you'll read more in, I don't know what book it is, but um, they actually have it where the seekers have to pay attention to what the score is because they don't want to catch the snitch and lose. So like that's something that the seekers also think about. So the the thought of them catching the snitch and still losing just doesn't really make sense to me because you would like any type of sport you would think about that and think about hey we have this much we're this much behind we need to make sure that we score another goal before I catch the snitch and I need to make sure that I keep the other seeker away from catching the snitch like yeah it would have to be like a game plan so like so it it just still doesn't make sense that they would catch the snitch and still lose (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) it's not my game I I don't need like I don't play it I don't need to know these things (laughs) I guess you know for the sake of the story it 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 works Uh (laughs) for the sake of JK Rowling you did great (laughs) exactly um, so the next part of the this chapter is when we get to know the spell when Guardian Leviosa. And the line that Hermione says in the books is completely different from the line that she says in the movies. Yes, it is. She says um, it's when Guardian Leviosa, you've got to give the gar a longer sound, I think is what she says in the books. Mm-hmm. 
And that's not what she says in the movie. And that's not the famous line that everyone knows. Either. No, it's when God and Levio saw. I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. She she says it's when Guardian Leviosa, not when Guardian Leviosa, I think is what oh, she says. Yes, yes. And that is not a line in the book, which I think that is brilliant for the movies. Like I it I, works. I loved, I love that line, and I'm glad they put it in the movies. But it kind of like in the sense, this is about the only thing that makes me sad about the books is that that was something that was thought of later and it wasn't in the books because it's so good. It's so good. Yes. <laughs> it is a well-known scene. Yes. And it works. So I have no complaints about the differences between that. No, because I actually like it better in the movies. <laughs> yes, there are moments like that. <laughs> yes. But we also have the point... Um, in the troll scene, when we actually get to the dining hall and they're getting ready for their Halloween feast, where Professor Coral comes in screaming, there's a troll in the dungeons in the movie. He doesn't do that in the books. He walks, I wouldn't necessarily say calmly, but he walks mm. up to Professor Dumbledore and tells Professor Dumbledore that there's a troll in the dungeons and he thought he should know that. And then I, and I don't then know. And then he gets faint of some sort. So yeah. But he doesn't pass out like he does in the movies. No. I don't think he passes out in the book. I think I think the reason why they do that is because they don't portray Coral as such a timid character in the movies. He's so scared, like Neville, but they don't really portray that in the movies as well. Because they, they do portray that he's it. nervous, but they mm-hmm. don't that's the only thing that they give him. They don't really show that he's a scaredy cat. Yes. Oh, no, I guess he does sink to the floor. It says he then sank to the floor in a dead faint. So I guess he does faint in the book as well as in the movies. But Professor Quarrel doesn't make it to Professor Dumbledore in the movies. He just passes out in the middle of the hall after screaming that there's a troll in the dungeon. Uh, He does not scream in the book. He, again, I wouldn't say necessarily says it calmly, but he's not yelling and screaming as he's running into the dining hall and then passes out. Yeah, he's not screaming at the top of his lungs. (laughs) So the scene when Harry and Ron go to find Hermione, that is all the same, you know, because Ron made that comment about Hermione being a know-it-all, basically, and she took off running, crying into the bathroom. Yeah, and then that's where she's at when this whole troll in the dungeon thing happens. Yes, and I want to point out that I'm pretty sure Snape was never seen during the troll thing. In the um, movie. No, I don't, well, I've got to remember. He is there at the end of that troll scene. Yes, at the end, but because he is not he, there before. Because instead of, and this is jumping into the next chapter, which uh, we aren't studying talking about today, but... In the next chapter, Harry finds, uh, it might not be the next chapter. Anyways, Harry runs into Snape taking care of his leg from the wound that he got from the, from Fluffy, the three yes. dog. Um, in the movies, we don't have that. We have Snape showing up in the bathroom and he, Harry sees his injury then. And that's how they show that Harry figures out Snape was in with the three-headed dog yes and he wasn't a suspect so the reason why he becomes a suspect so early on snape was because he was seen in the books with the troll that he was seen going into that door that forbidden door right 
Uh, yes, he's, well, no, he's not seen going into the door. He's seen going towards the third floor where yes. he's seen going towards the Forbidden Corridor but before in the movie, Harry yeah. and Ron find Hermione. But he wasn't a suspect until later in the movie, but they no. kind of catch on very quickly that Snape is a suspect in the book. Yes, they, things get put together a lot sooner in the book um, because we they see Snape run off there and then Snape shows up later in the troll scene after they've defeated the troll and in the movies Snape I think Snape still shows up at the end I don't think that he shows up after all the rest of the professors but we get that hint of him going off to the Forbidden Corridor and then we see the injury a lot sooner than we do in the book. I love the part that Harry and Ron lock the troll in with Hermione. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. They tried, they tried to lock the troll so that no one had to worry about it, so they could go find Hermione. However, they did not read <laughs> the door where they threw the troll <laughs> and locked. And so they're walking away from where they've just locked this troll and then they hear Hermione scream (laughs) and it's just like they're the reason they put Hermione in the danger. (laughs) Yes and it really explains like their children they're doing this and their children it really defines that that line you know they're they're not Mm -hmm. heroes they're not thrown into this magical world and they're able to take care of things by magic they are children they don't understand so I really love that part and it's very hilarious yes the this scene really shows Ron's character more than it does in the movies again they really kind of portray Ron as comic relief and uh, an idiot in the movies and yes it's more of Ron necessarily isn't an idiot he just works better in crisis situations <laughs> because he couldn't get Wingardium Leviosa in the classroom but when he needed it he was able to do it and he figured it out and used it for their benefit against the troll which again they're very lucky that they managed to defeat the troll because very uh, but it also shows just how it shows the difference between Ron and her and Harry too because Ron thinks to use his wand to defeat the troll by using a spell and Harry jumps on the back of the troll and sticks his wand up the troll's nose <laughs> it shows that Ron yes like you said in difficult situations he he can think straight yes but Harry just is so adamant about charging forward, doing it, setting himself in between danger and taking care of it. So yes, it does set them apart as characters as well. Yeah, it it really shows, uh, it really shows that Harry's first thought is to save the person and Harry's thought is to do something. However, Harry doesn't immediately think of like using his wand and being a wizard that he is (laughs) but Ron does so it just shows like the different thought process of what um the two like the the difference between the two 
Yes, and, and it does bring up the fact that Ron grew up in a wizard family. So obviously to handle situations, he thinks to use magic. Yes. But Harry grew up in the muggle world. So obviously his instinct was to take care of things in the muggle way. Yeah, in the physical, taking care of it physically. Yes. I still, it's just, it's funny how different they use their wands. <laughs> like Harry's yes. goes up the troll's nose and Ron <laughs> uses it practically (laughs) oh sometimes they poor harry in that situation (laughs) poor harry (laughs) yes um but i yes and then i do yeah so whenever the end scene of the fight the troll is defeated Mm -hmm. and then the teachers come along and the first thing that hermione thinks to do because she was a wimp in that situation she was a little bit of a wimp so she played her part by stepping forward and saying that it was her fault yeah that they were there which I think is an interesting character arc for Hermione because it the Hermione that you learn up to this point is very rule-driven know-it-all wants to be on the good side of everyone like all the teachers is is the teacher pet it you know and then in this scene she outrightedly lies about what happened and and acts like she like does her know-it-all persona and says that she was going after the troll because she had read about it and blah 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 but it's not like that's not who we learn Hermione to be so it's it's a different character arc for her Yes, and it really shows that she knows how to take one for the team. Yes. And, and that it brings them together. Yes. And it also shows that she's willing to break rules if it helps in the long run. Exactly. Which is what her character arc turns into be later in the books. But I also think that it's hilarious that um, since Ron and and Harry had to go save Hermione because they, because Ron was mean and put her in the bathroom in the first place. I think that it's hilarious that they end up being the best of friends. Like yes, over that this. situation. It's like we experience this trauma together. Yes. And we are willing to go into situations like that together in the future. So it, it really bonded them together. And the chapter ends with saying, you know, she kind of just merges into the friend group, right? Yep, yep. They become the best friends. It's the, yes. it's the gang. We we begin to recognize them as the three amigos. Yes. <laughs> That's how it ends. <laughs> so I, I still think it's funny that, like, yeah, when you go through that kind of situation with someone, it does tend to bring you closer. But I just think that it's funny that they, uh, they've they hated her for so long and have been so mean. And then they go and save her. And it's like, all is forgiven. They're best friends now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> but that is all we're going to cover for this podcast today. Yes, that concludes our chapter six through ten. That Um, was definitely a long one. Yes, yes. More action-packed. We're not just harping on the Dursleys anymore. Now we're actually getting to meet all of the characters that we know and love. Yes. And getting into the true action of everything. (laughs) But um, the next episode we'll be covering, we're on chapter 11 now, and there's only 17 chapters, so we'll probably cover the rest of the book in the next episode. Yes. 
And so feel free to listen to us next week or whenever you, you know, decide to listen in. (laughs) Absolutely. So just keep your eye out for the next episode. Yes. And if you have any comments or want to um, tell us what you thought of these chapters, feel free to email us at discount ticket number two world unknown at protonmail.com we would love to hear your takes on these chapters and of course what house you think you'd be sorted into (laughs) yes everyone would love to just hear other people's opinions their thoughts yeah and that's what we you know are doing here we're the book club so you might as well join the book club take a part in conversation you know (laughs) yes take part in the conversation and please visit our patreon it is launched and it's um i believe you just go on patreon.com and look up discount ticket to a world unknown and you'll find our little patreon website where you can subscribe to be a patron and get some fun little things at when you subscribe you could get the ability to ask us questions, get the ability to hear behind the scenes conversations of us getting ready for this podcast, or just the, the funny, stupid things of the stuff that goes on while we're recording. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> there is plenty. There are tons of edits. There, you know, be as a mother, there's always going to be edits, funny edits, anything. Mm-hmm. So please, please go to our Patreon. We would love to answer any questions to talk with you guys yes. make dedicate an episode to hearing your opinions we would yes. love that yes we would enjoy talking to you guys about this book as much as we enjoyed talking to each other about it so feel free to subscribe to our patreon and be a part of this <laughs> yes and please please visit our social medias our instagram you will find us anywhere uh, feel free to communicate with us through social medias we would love to see you there all the support is wonderful support (laughs) but this is all we've got for you guys we're so glad you listened in and i hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did and feel free to listen to the next episode where we talk about chapter 11 through 17 of harry potter and the sorcerer's stone